0: The Art of Leadership Network. Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. A podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before, in your church or in your business. And now your host,
1: Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey everybody, and welcome to episode 480 of the podcast. Carrie here. Hope our time together today helps you thrive in life and leadership. Today's guest is none other than Bob Goff. And we're going to, well, go places that I've never heard him go before. Uh, The world of notes. If you ever listen to a guy like Bob, you're like, how do you have so many stories? He tells us how he keeps notes, how he keeps track of all of that. And we also talk about overcoming insecurity. Bob talks about his and on being unreasonably available. Yeah, what is it with that cell phone thing where millions of people have a cell phone number? We'll talk about that. Also, uh, brought to you today by the Art of Leadership Academy. You can go to theartofleadershipacademy.com today to get access to a growing library of premium on-demand courses, monthly live coaching hosted by me, monthly training, and a community of top-tier leaders, and by Pro media Fire. If you're looking for a new website and great social media in 2022, check out Creativo. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast can receive a lifetime founder's discount simply by going to creativo.org slash carry. Well, uh, so glad you're along for this episode. And uh, yeah, still got some sinus issues, as you can probably hear. Hopefully the interview will be a little bit better. Did that on a different day. But anyway, uh, hey, We ship, rain or shine. And like a lot of you, sometimes you go to work when you're not feeling 100% and that's me today. But uh, really glad to be able to share this with you. Hey, if you haven't yet left a rating and review on this podcast, would you do that? We're well over a thousand ratings, but I would love to get yours. And wherever you listen to this podcast, just drop in a rating and review. We try to read them all. And we're just so grateful for you. Well, tell me if you can identify with the challenge of leadership. So I graduated from law school, had no idea how to run a law firm. They didn't teach that. I graduated from seminary, no idea how to run a church. And that's why I have founded and opened up starting this month, the Art of Leadership Academy. We announced it last week. It is an online learning community. It's got every course I've ever produced in it, all included. It's got strategies and a connection among so many top-tier leaders Uh, I'm in the academy as one of the community leaders, but you should see the stellar lineup. Between qualified experts and peers in the community, the insights, thoughts, and strategies you will get that are being shared every single day are vital to anyone in a leadership position. So if you're ready to take the mystery out of leadership, get access to all of my online courses, a top-tier community, live monthly coaching, and monthly team training for your staff The moment you sign up at theartofleadershipacademy.com, you'll get access to all of that. So that's theartofleadershipacademy.com, and you can learn more, and you can get in on a founder's price right now and get instant access at a shockingly low price. We will see you in there. That's theartofleadershipacademy.com. I'm so excited for that. And what if you could have amazing social media and a website For less than the cost of a Starbucks each day, the good news is you can with Creativo. Creativo is a brand new all-in-one outreach, creative outreach program to easily manage your website and social media. So when you get Creativo, here's what you get. You start to look amazing online, a great website, great social media. You save time by managing your social media and websites in minutes, not hours or weeks. You can save money at a very affordable price and utilize cross-platform management an iPhone, Android, and desktop with the same experience. Creativo is great for churches, nonprofits, schools, and entrepreneurs to manage your social media in minutes each week. For a great new website, check out Creativo. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast can get a free lifetime founders discount by simply going to creativo.org slash carry. That's C-R-E-A-T-I-V-O.org slash carry for all your social media and website needs in 2022. Well, I'm very excited to have Bob Goff on the podcast. For a lot of you, he needs no introduction. He's a former lawyer and New York Times bestselling author. And uh, well, he is also the founder of Love Does. And without much more ado, let's jump into my conversation with the one and only Bob Goff. Bob, it's good to have you back. Welcome. Thanks
0: a million. It's like coming
1: home to a, a place I've been invited.
0: Can smell the cookies in the oven. (laughs)
1: that's great well i want to catch up it's been a maybe a year or two since you've been on the podcast last time but you've started a number of things over the last few years you see it's always shifting it's always changing it's never the same with bob uh but bring us up to date with the oaks uh you're doing well your podcast which thank you for having me on with my beautiful wife Tony. oh we love that Uh, Yeah, your writer's workshops that you're doing, and you probably got like 28 other things that are occupying your time. Yeah, we give us an update wonderfully busy, um,
0: like kind of family stuff. I'm a grandpa three times over. Um, I've just been trying to that kind of funnels into the idea of having a place nearby. So, we bought a 300 acre. Uh, thrashed camp. And then we started working on it and we put in a vineyard and I don't drink wine, but it just seems so biblical. So I, we put in a 50,000 bottles a year. Like we didn't mess around. Uh, The thing about this wine, I found out the first year, there's no grapes. The second year, there's bad grapes. And the third year, Uh there's usable grapes. And then you have to put them in a barrel, evidently, uh, uh, for another three years. And I'm 62. I'm like, let's get the show on the road. (laughs) I like fermenting it. I like the labels, the cork, everything except the taste. I'm like a Dr. Pepper guy. Um, (laughs) then we, uh, started an equestrian center. We have 27 horses there, uh, which is so fun. And there's one, which is actually the great, great granddaughter of secretariat. And it's going to have a foal. So I'm told, so a baby horse is going to emerge from this, this next week. And I'm like, I've got the rubber gloves. I'm like, I want to catch that thing. (laughs) We are going to bond. I have fainting goats. Have you seen those Carrie?
1: Uh, have just on oh, YouTube, but goat. yeah, talk- yeah.
0: You make a noise and they tip over, kind of like Sweet Maria. So, um, <laughs> they not the goat part, but the tipping over part. But like, there's it's just been this really wondrous place. And the whole idea is, uh, to bring the party to me rather than me leaving everybody because I really sense the earliest I can remember, I wanted to be a grandpa. I just don't want to miss a minute of it. So I'm just out there. I bet four or five days a week and Love Does is still doing stuff. We're opening up in a couple of weeks. We'll go to Israel and open our next two schools for Palestinian kids, one in Bethlehem, one in Nazareth. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got a uh, a presence now in Uzbekistan and to help us with our uh, girls' school in Afghanistan. Um, So there's some strategic reasons to be over the border, uh, but adjacent. Um, And uh, we've got things in Armenia, and it's just been a really fun time. So we're staying busy. And then the thing that I think I like the most is um, that we're in San Quentin still. We're doing yeah, uh, some yeah. stuff domestically. We've got food programs here in San Diego to, of all things, so we've we've got 500 Afghan families that we're able to learn from, uh, and then maybe 100 prisoners at uh, San Quentin that we're learning from as well. So uh, this has been a really interesting period of time. I'm just so glad dude, we get to catch up.
1: Yeah, you know, Bob, and this is the thing that gets me. I mean, uh, we'll talk about your new book, um, Undistracted. But, you know, you say it's a book full of stories, and I want to ask you why that is uh, in our conversation today. But I read two of your stories, and I'm like, okay, that's like what most people get in a lifetime, if they're lucky. But it was Tuesday for you. Like, you just seem to have this um, voracious appetite for life, this huge curiosity and an ability, I mean, you have such a gregarious personality, such a, a, an amazing storyteller, but you're also doing some really hard work. Like some of the work that you're doing, you know in Afghanistan or Uzbekistan or the work that you're doing in human rights and that kind of thing. it's just it's fascinating to see what drives your curiosity, that voracious appetite for life.
0: Yeah, I think I get a lot of direction in the things that matter the most to me, like faith and family and all that. Pretty much everything that starts with an F, except for our Ferrari. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not a car guy. You should see my thrash truck. Um, so what one of the things that uh, I want to have is what everybody wants to have, which is a direction. Uh, did you know this, Kerry, uh, just because I was curious about it, that people don't walk in straight lines unless they have something they're aiming at. So if you put a person mm-hmm. and then you say, let's walk towards the you know, the flag on the hill or the tree on the cliff, then you have an orientation, you can walk relatively straight towards it. But if you don't, put that same person in the middle of a desert and they'll start walking in circles because uh, one of two things happens. They're either their left leg is longer or their right leg is longer Or their stride with their left leg is different than their stride with their right. And so eventually we walk in circles. This is Romans 7. Like we just keep doing what we don't want to do. And we don't want to do, do what we do want to do. And like that's just, again, Tuesday for me. But this is why we're walking in circles. This is why we're back in that loop, unless you've got something you're aiming for. And so I think, uh, to your point, curiosity is the flag in the hill. Faith is my flag on the hill. Just this idea, Hebrews 12, this idea of keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. And the truth is, a lot of times I don't. Um, I just get distracted. And so I Wrote a book for a guy like me. <laughs> because, <laughs> I was getting teased by our buddy uh, Ian Cron. He's like, "You're a seven. Uh-huh. You live distracted." I'm like, "I know."
1: <laughs> well, it's funny when they when they sent me the book, you know, the manuscript to look at, and I saw the title. I just smiled because you know we know each other a little bit and have spent a bit of time together, and I'm like. Yeah. Undistracted, like distraction, I think is almost could be your middle name, right? Like you are one of the most curious, like beautifully present in the moment, but oh, there we go. Something else. One of those people. So you wrote it for yourself and for distracted people like you. you. If you can't find the book uh, that you
0: need, write the book you need. And then what you'll do is you'll learn a lot about yourself along the way. Wouldn't you say? You've written some terrific Mm. books and then you end (laughs) up like learning Uh, because you can kind of call BS on the things that aren't true. Like I could say, I wish I was that guy. I'm not that guy yet. Not yet. Uh, Maybe someday. uh, If Ann and Ice and Sapphira got real about it, uh, they just got distracted by who they thought they were, and that's who they wanted to be. They weren't quite there yet. And so to just chill out, just like just realize (laughs) where you are, Get oriented to the flag on the hill, Uh, whatever you like the most, convertible Porsche, aim for that. You're just going to be bummed when you get there, but find something (laughs) that's really worth aiming for uh, and then just aim for it and just say what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep my head on a swivel as I'm moving, knowing that that's my resting position is activity. Uh, that I want to like. I'm just looking where there are opportunities. Is there something that I can get some skin in the game on? And we have such a short period of time. Me and you. I think yeah, I got you by a yeah. couple of years. I'm going to turn 63 mm. here in a little bit. Um, I'll be and,
1: 57. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I got you by uh, just a just a ounce, but we're both like chronologically half a decade. Get, oh yeah, yeah. We
1: get it's moving closer. Four thousand
0: weeks, give or take. Mm. More mm-hmm. if you eat broccoli unless if you eat pop tarts like me but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why I look like this um but to say uh, what I'm doing is like most of the time even if I'm eating something is just because I'm bored I'm just distracted and uh, mm. there's nothing like a so pop tart or a cake pop to like uh, f- to deal with that but only for a moment. Um, then you're mm. still distracted again. What if you really went for the things that were more satisfying things that were beyond me and my like immediate perceived needs, um, to say, what does it feel like to be me? And then ask another question. What does it feel like to be someone who's around me? Um, husbands, mm. I'm talking to you <laughs> like, yeah, yeah your no life kidding. might be going great for you, but like ask your wife, what does it feel like to be around me? Like to be married to Tigger. Uh, and Marie would say, it's distracting. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I need to write a book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, hence, you've got undistracted. Yeah. And There's then a you, bunch of things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you only
0: have this little bit of time to get it done. Uh, one of the things we did get at the um, out at the Oaks is cattle. Uh, and I, I mean, it's hardly Yellowstone we've got going on, but <laughs> much less violence. But I chased these cows around the field, and one of them got sick. It died in my arms on Friday, uh, Carrie. Uh, literally, oh, this twelve hundred pound beautiful cow. I was just like not knowing anything about. Cows that just got really sick from something. And there was a really nice guy. He didn't know what to say. And here I am, I got a cow in my arms and I'm just like filleted by this thing. And it breathed its last breath. And this really kind guy said, can I give it CPR for you? I'm like, this is, This guy weighs 60 pounds. This is a 1,200-pound cow. But he said, "Like, can I just jump into that with you? Can I try to do mm. something that would help? And I'm just telling you, that kind of what will break our distraction from our pain and for the things around it is acts of kindness. It was just this, you know, people that are big, uh, team Jesus, and I'm one of them, but like to just say like you know, be ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you, like be Jesus's lawyer, uh, but then they stop reading, they don't get to the part to, to do with kindness and respect, and so I'm telling you all your defense is a distraction, kindness and respect has shelf life that will outlast you. I want to talk mm. about that stuff, I want to do that stuff,
1: hmm. Those are good words. So I want to get in more into um, you know, the, the worthy cause. So one of the things I really admire, and you're not secretive about it because you've written about it, you've talked about it, Love Does has a lot about it, but you do some remarkable work in the area of justice and uh, just trying to help those who uh, maybe otherwise might not have the resources to help themselves and for equality, etc. cetera, but I would say, I don't know, feel free to disagree. The world seems harder and harder to get around these days, thanks to our pandemic. Politically, it's as explosive as it's been in a long time. Without revealing any secrets or, you know, putting anyone in danger, how do, how do you make a difference in countries where it is exceedingly difficult to make a difference. For example, you know, Afghanistan would be one of them. Like, how is it? Because most people would say, oh, that's just off limits. Like, I could never do anything like that with my life. But there you are, Bob, doing it, which I find so inspiring. So what are some keys to kind of breaking through those barriers and saying, no, we're going to do something on the ground here?
0: Yeah, what immediately came to mind is these amazingly courageous men and women who are actually mm-hmm. are doing it. I'm like, not yeah. that guy. I'm sitting in San Diego, um, uh, however, when I get a chance to be with them, which is relatively often, uh, one of the things that I've uh, noticed is their resolve. They just want to put books in the arms of little girls. And then the mm-hmm. Taliban comes along and all the crazy happened. And then said, you know, all the schools are shut and you can't do that. But get this, we had our headmaster went back in this particular city in one of the, uh, Biggest hot spots there. He went to the Taliban. He said, Can our girls return to school and begin reading and learning math again? And because he was kind and because he was respectful, he said, Yes. The bad guys, they're still so crooked. When they die, they're going to have to screw them into the ground. But, like, but (laughs) I want uh, us to just, if you want great advocacy, be kind and respectful. Uh, We've got, uh, we were out, we had our girls out of school for about three weeks after the takeover by the Taliban. They've been back in their chair for two and a half months. It's amazing what will happen. And, you know, as a lawyer yourself, you just know you get a lot further with like honey than vinegar. I mean, honey wouldn't melt in my mouth. And that isn't going light on doctrine, that's going big on the power of Jesus Christ unleashed in the world through ordinary people, courageous men and women who are Afghans, living in Afghanistan, doing the work, and then having other people just cheering for them. And I got the pom-poms out, but I got more than pom-poms. I'm like, what if we just say, take the things and find a kinder, More respectful. There's two guys that are on opposite side of a conflict right now that's unfolding. uh, That planted a tree. We spent a week together. They planted a tree together. uh, And when all this crazy headlines started coming out, I just mailed them, I I emailed them a a picture of the tree, and I said, "I'm just giving you an update on your tree. the 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 branches are strong. The roots are deep." Just giving you an update. Instead of feeling like you need to jump in with all the stuff that I'm ill-equipped to jump in with, one thing we could do is just help people remember who they are. Remember the agreements that they made, that we were going to be in this together, even when it gets crazy. I think that there's a place for the peacemakers. That wasn't my idea. (laughs) It was somebody else. (laughs) Uh, And to say, like, what if we do that instead of getting distracted on being right about who's this and that and all that, to say, I'm not an umpire, I'm a base coach, right? I'm just Mm -hmm. saying, run your race. I'm thinking Hebrews 12, with endurance, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter in faith. But if for somebody else to just run your race, that's awesome, run your race, man.
1: Pick a flag that's worth running towards. Don't go in circles. Wow. I want to get into um, sort of your craft of, of storytelling because I'm pretty amazed by it. You know, I've I've read some books on distraction. This is a very different one, and I think you say in the introduction, "Hey, this is mostly stories with a few principles thrown in here, and we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> talk about the and, and, and you're fabulous at storytelling." Is that true? That's what you wrote, right? Yeah, that's totally
0: true. I mean, I was as you're reading, I'm like, that sounds like something I'd say. And then I was thinking, if you could see what's going on in the cloud bubble, you'd say, like, buddy, <laughs> don't operate heavy equipment. Cause I was like, that's, ex- that's exactly my perspective. And I'm like, wait, this is, you're reading from the book.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> uh huh. Um, Uh, and and again, it's one of those things. I'm more of the bullet point guy. So I'll I'll think in principles and you have more stories in one book than most people have in a lifetime, but you credit it to note-taking. You say you take voracious notes and you encourage people to do the same. You don't? Okay. Tell us more. No, 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 no. I do. I'm just like, Mr.
0: Note-taker. Yeah. So I'll I'll take down things that you've said. I've done it. I've listened to your podcast and I'll go like, wow, I'm careful not to start farming what you're saying as a way to honor and respect you. I don't want to take sure. your idea, not that it's you know uh, intellectual property. Just be cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just don't farm somebody else's idea, but, but be inspired by that. Think, is there an adjacent idea to that? Is there something that you have said that pings something or knocks something loose for me. And I'll take notes on that and I'll start thinking, of, I'll spin that puzzle piece. And the idea of storytelling, it says that's what Jesus did. It said he never spoke to anybody without telling him a story. And I love that. I don't forget if it's Matthew 13 or 15, but it's one of those two. Uh And what if we're that guy, like that gal, like just be the person that's always looking for that that thing where I could learn a little bit more. It's the kind guy that said, can I give your cow CPR? (laughs) 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 You do not want to put your lips on this nose right now. Um, But to say like the the, capturing the moment, what it felt like, what it, what we have an excavator and uh, I don't know, what do you do with a 1200 pound cow? Like you just, we did this big hole and we, picked them up as gently as we could and put them in the hole. And they're a little girl that is up there at the camp. She's kind of the mayor of the camp. She loves this cow. And I had to explain the cow isn't here anymore. Um, and so we had a little service and we said some nice words about the, what a great cow that cow had been. Um, and then later that afternoon, she, I think she'd completely forgotten she'd moved on. She had complete closure on the cow. And then Carrie realized, I'm the cow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I've got a, a
0: bullet point for you listening. You're the cow. Uh, like, and uh, yeah, so exactly. What are we going to leave behind? Just uh, say, mm. Bob, that Bob, he was one. F- fuzzy guy like he was fun <laughs> but i want to leave a little bit behind not because jesus needs our efforts uh, cuz i ask him every day if i can help him out and he keeps telling me no uh, what he needs is our hearts uh, that's his uh, desire
1: yeah when you when you keep notes cuz we've talked in a previous episode about you know your work in law which you don't talk a lot about publicly but you want a lot of cases in law i had a very successful law practice when you take notes, and and I'm, I'm trying to connect things, and if they're not connected, let me know. But, you know, one of the keys to being successful in court, I think, as briefly as I worked in that, is you better be prepared. You better know your case. You better know the other side's case. You better know what the judge is thinking. Notes can be very helpful. On the other hand, I think really amazing things happen to all of us, but we don't remember. And a lot of those stories in your book, are they just implanted in your memory or have you gotten notes of them and it reminds you, oh, this reminds me of the time that, you know, I jumped out of an airplane. And this reminds me of the time that Richard said this. And this reminds me of the time Uh, I'm thinking about that because I really believe that better note-taking is important. And I just want to exegete that a little bit more. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So I have, uh, a Word document, after you get more than 400,000 words in it, it becomes cumbersome. It's just you get that spinning wheel of death uh, (laughs) on on your laptop. And so I have a series of Word documents. I have 1.8 million words written down about five or six at a time. You do the math, that's a lot of entries. Uh, Because (laughs) I send myself maybe 150 emails a day, I'm like, uh-huh. him again? Block. <laughs> but, uh, it's something that happened. It's something you said. It's the cow died. It's the chicken got away. It's the, the guy that the roots are deep and the branches are strong. And uh, But all, I'll send myself these little crib notes. And then in the next morning, I don't have a quiet time. I haven't had a quiet time in 30 years. Uh, mine are really loud. What I'll do is I'll say, I'll go like full Apostle Paul, I'll say, I want to check this against scripture. And they say, I know it sounds right, but is it really true? Right? I did an Instagram post this morning. I was watching the clouds, like the fog clear. And it just reminded me, that idea about things could get foggy. Uh, they just and then I th- was thinking about that verse in First Corinthians about how we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And so, drawing those connections to your point about note taking, this is uh, George Lucas. Um, hmm. So he's, I, w- I was going to get is Isn't yeah. that great? Yeah, yeah. So he's writing Star Wars at the same time he is scoring American Graffiti and you find a scene by roll number and dialogue number and he said where's the scene? And it was roll 2, dialogue 2 in American Graffiti and he wrote down R2-D2. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> so what you're doing by capturing the node is you're spinning that puzzle piece. You've moved along and you're like off to the next thing but that puzzle piece is still spinning. And what I hope we can do, if faith guides your steps, and it may not, but, uh, but if it does guide your steps, that you'll connect that with a scripture that lets you know that's true.
1: Did storytelling come naturally to you as a child, or is it something you've intentionally worked on?
0: I like I was a consumer lifetime. of good stories.
1: Like I'd hear mm.
0: you're a storyteller. Like you'll tell a story about something. And I'll just go like, actually, I can connect with that. That makes it more memorable. Like somebody tell me how many boats are floating in the sea Galilee. I could give a rip. I don't care. <laughs> I if somebody could tell me a bunch of words in Greek and the, the Phileo and what agape and I just tell me when somebody did a selfless act of love to you. I'll remember that mm. and you can lose all the rest. It's not that it's unimportant. It's just not important to me. What's important to mm. me is like to get to the core of the scriptures. Like what, what is this thing? Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that matters is faith expressed in love. I mean, like, so I get it. Now tell me, tell me, when did that happen? So when did Hmm. you express, oh, and then even more, tell me when it just blew up. I mean, you had no more eyebrows because it Hmm. just blew up. (laughs) That's where it gets real. If we could just talk about something relatable, then talk about something important, then take a new camera angle on it and don't resolve it. Do that over and over again, something relatable. Here's Jesus, greatest theologian to ever walk the earth. He points to two sheep and he says, it's like when one of those gets away and everybody's like, oh, I hate them when that happens. You know, he didn't start talking in uh, esoteric ideas. It was just like relatable. And then say something important about it. Matthew 21, there's two sons. One said yes and didn't. One said no and did. Which one did what the father asked? It's like, oh man, something important. Take a new camera angle on it. Uh, Don't like, don't say things that rhyme. (laughs) And if you get advice that rhymes, run. And then uh, don't resolve it. Like there's something, if I told a story about my son and us being on the Nile and then we go into, we get stuck in this eddy and he falls out of the boat and I look up, he's gone. But then I start talking about these eddies that we get stuck on in our life. Don't get to have them get back in the boat. <laughs> Just go <laughs> to the next chapter. I tell you, people won't know why they're still reading. That's why they're reading, because it wasn't resolved. That's why people watch Yellowstone.
1: <laughs> right, right. It wasn't it made, resolved.
0: It wasn't resolved. I really, that's why people stopped watching Lost, because there was no plot. Mm. Nothing was resolved ever. <laughs> there was no plot. You know they they plugged in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Remember, they went into something called a pelican. I think you and I yeah. are good at memorizing things. You had to put in these numbers: four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, and forty-two. I'm not even kidding. I don't know how many yeah. thing, years that thing's been off the air, but um, I, what I r- remember about that is they didn't do it one time, and nothing happened. <laughs> Like, <laughs> there's no plot. Um, you know what happened, Carrie? Uh, there was a, no. a lottery and uh, people, uh, like, they picked the numbers. I'm not kidding. The numbers they picked, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. People lost their minds. Uh, but here was the thing. About a million people picked those numbers because they were watching Lost. <laughs> Everybody got five bucks. <laughs> so here's the point. Like, have a plot. Uh, Don't have a slogan, have a plot. Uh, uh, Talk about it in relatable terms. Nobody's impressed by how many words you know in Greek. What they're impressed by is a life of sacrifice and commitment. Uh, What dazzles God is obedience. Uh, What dazzles people is uh, shimmer. Uh, So dazzle God with obedience. Uh, When he just says, love creepy people, just say like, wow, like this is I don't want to, this is going from the farm league to the major league. And here's the crazy thing. I'm the creepy person to some people. Like they don't get me. Like somebody asked me if I was watering down the gospel and I said, well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I I want to for thirsty people. That's why I tell stories. I want people because I just trust that Jesus Christ and uh, Matthew 17, flesh and blood doesn't reveal this to you. But the spirit of God will. So I want to say things that are true, but I'm going to let Jesus do do the landing on that. It ain't going to be me.
1: Wow. Um, I would love to know because this is book number three for you. Love does everybody always? <laughs> yeah, undistractable. Uh, you've developed a writing process by now. How how do you write books? Because it is it is an unusual style. Like as somebody who reads a lot of books. Um, you know it's Bob. You don't have to like look at the cover. You don't have to look at the what it says at the beginning. You're like three paragraphs in. You're like, okay, this can only be one person writing this book. Uh, there's a style that's emerging, Bob. Can you take us through the writing process? How does that work out of that 1.8 million word document, set of documents you've got? How, do, how, do, how does it emerge? Yeah, it's really, I haven't written a book just yet. wouldn't know how
0: to. I've assembled books. Like I Ah, assemble books. I do some dumpster diving. I go into everything I've thought about everything. um, And then I'll go in there and I'll say, what's something that's actually interesting about that? So I'll take, uh, you know, this idea that we have uh, trained responses, like that there's like Pavlov's dogs. Remember, the light goes on, they get a little food, and then they have these conditioned responses. And the light goes on, they start salivating. Uh, You know, interestingly, in the Battle of Leningrad...
1: (laughs) Yeah. They ran out okay. of food.
0: They ate Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> kind of a sadie. I bet they didn't see that coming. Um, but, but what I want to do is find something interesting and then say something important about that. Not just a way to tickle people's ears with loose doctrine. Yeah. Paul said don't do that. But to actually engage people with their life. Don't make it about you. I try to think of using words like me, my, and I. You get the first one for free. Like I was, or uh, but use words like we, us, and our. Because the Mm. truth is, if you write a book and say me, my, and I a bunch of times, then it's like watching somebody else's vacation pictures. Like, I'm glad you went to Maui. Uh, I'm not mad that you went to Maui. I just like, whatever. Um, But if you make it about their trip to Maui or their trip across the street, if it's about we, us, and our... That matters, and so in the writing process, I'm constantly doing that. I try to like quantify uh, think it's like twenty bucks every time I say the word "I," uh, mm. because it's actually costing us a ton. It's costing us their attention. They will become distracted. Um, and so, what about in our conversations? Philippians two twenty. Like, uh, I'm I'm a Bible verse guy. People wouldn't think I'm mm. a Bible verse guy because I don't no, put Bible are. verses in my books. Yeah, because I'm writing it for the guy at the tire store. <laughs> i just saying, if the guy he's not mad, he just doesn't go to church. He is church adjacent. He's not mad mm. at the church. What's there to be mad about? It's a steeple, a bunch of bricks, mostly in place. Um, he just doesn't like the people that are in the church. And so I just want to say, you know what? We're those people. Like we're just fallible, and we have all these picadillos and. So what I want to do is, like, make people thirsty. If I had a church, I would hang a salt lick at the end of each pew. Like, I just want people thirsty for the Word of God. I want them thirsty for more meaning and more availability to one another in their faith. Like, get the salt licks out. People at your church that will blow their minds. (laughs) It's like, what's up? (laughs) Take a lick. It was actually unsanitary and everybody will get COVID. But you get the idea.
1: I get the idea. So usually in a lot of focus books are about eliminating disruptions, right? So you get into the zone and I've, I've written some stuff in that space too. But as you admit in the book and have said publicly numerous times, you've given your phone number now to over a million people. <laughs> it's your real awesome? phone number. We have been on the front row together when it's rung and you actually answer it as you. Um, so, and and I think the quote is, I'm just looking at my notes. Yeah. Uh, you're committed to being, quote, unreasonably available, <laughs> right? And so you'll take how many of those phone calls a day? Oh, so many, like dozens
0: and uh-huh. dozens. There was a woman that called her three or four days ago, and she said, the devil's in my bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I mean, like, symbolic. I mean, I was thinking immediately, like, I had teenage boys, too. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like, like, And so I thought, well, have you told your best friend? Um, so who's your best friend? And she said, Mary. I'm like, Well, what uh what if you give Mary a call and tell her about what you're feeling right now and what you're sensing and all that? Just say, is Mary like a truth teller? Does she talk to you? She'll she speak plainly with you and is she good at loving on you? She said she's really great at that. I'm like, Oh, put down the phone, girl, call Mary up. Um, so that idea of kindness and respect, instead of just thinking, like, like, I don't have a way to intersect that idea. Mm. Um, it's just a great reminder every time the phone rings. I, I've gotten three phone calls since you and I have started talking. Just yeah. on my, they just like, they just pop through. And so when it goes to voicemail, which isn't often, then I have a recording. I don't have a recording where they can leave a message. I just say, here's my email address. I get 300 emails a day. I answer 300 emails a day. And there's something beautiful about that for me. I don't know if it's any good for them, but it's terrific for me because it lets me just say, like, what's a word of encouragement? How could you give a cup of water that's cool to a person that's really thirsty right now? Thirsty enough to reach out. Would you honor that person? And if, man, I don't think Jesus came up with the idea of green rooms. Um, I think there's, <laughs> I've got some other likely candidates, but I just think whatever separates us from whatever, like, I just think we should be standing in the front door, passing out saltwater taffy. If you have like a, 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 even if you do a lousy sermon, they'll remember the mm. taffy. They'll think they met Jesus. No, they will. <laughs> yeah. They'll just go like, man, he took a moment. He expressed this genuine interest in my welfare that philippians 2:20 mm. verse if we got really good at that what we would be is undistracted by all the trappings undistracted for our perceived need for comfort or to be first or you get to make up some new rules
1: do you ever have boundaries where you're like, I just need some me time or sweet Maria time, or I'm on vacation with my kids right now? Like, how do you, how do you handle that? Or is it 24 seven? You're always available.
0: No, no, I'm, I definitely have them. I don't schedule things on uh, Fridays. Um, so I just like take Fridays. I draw a line through it. It doesn't mean I'm sitting around on Fridays. Um, I just have lots of things going on, but I just know that nothing is scheduled. That's been super helpful. Um, I try to like keep my eye on the Sabbath. I try to just say like, listen, we need to unstring the bow. You know, the whole idea that if you have a wooden bow and it's always under tension, when you shoot the arrow, it's going to snap in half. And so to say, going to try to take the pressure off the bow, just take a breath for a second. And, uh, and just say, I'm just going to unwind. I'm trying to learn how to ride a horse. Um, I'm not very good at it. I'm like, I rode one last Friday. I'm still jiggling. Like, I just, like, <laughs> I, like, but uh, to find something where you could just unplug from the other things that are going on, find something that's just you're curious about, um, and then do that. Maybe like that idea, of instead of going across the ocean, go across the street. Maybe do a little inventory on how your neighbors are doing.
1: So I know I'm getting granular here. And if it's annoying, I just beg your forgiveness in advance. But I'm thinking about all the leaders listening who are like, oh, I'd love to be like Bob. I'd love to answer all the emails that come my way. So just a practical question. When you're off riding horses with Sweet Maria, with your family, with a friend, by yourself, uh, you know, 25 phone calls come in and 300 more emails pile up. Do you feel the pressure to get back to everyone? Or do you just answer in the moment as you're available?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the calls, like if you were to follow me around uh, for uh-huh. 24 hours, it'd be so creepy, and I'd get a restraining order. But um, <laughs> if <laughs> what I would do is, you would see uh, the uh, phone, like a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, just texted, uh-huh. and he just said, uh, i was just thinking about you today, and I hope you're doing great." I'm like, wow, what a great, I knew what that felt like when he said that. Mm. We probably haven't spoken in four years, but man, that I popped wow. to mind. I felt so like, I don't know, just cared for. Um, and so remembering what that felt like, I'm just imagining when I say hello, uh, that that's going to blow somebody's mind. Or when they get mm. an email back to me right away, just say, man, I'm so honored that you took a moment uh, to write to me. Uh, and, uh, how would, how'd the conversation with Mary go <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to just take a genuine interest in things that even if you can't do it, if there's somebody that's a little angsty, kind of a little bit, you know, people that, uh, just spatially, uh, put aside COVID, like they're just standing about six inches too close. Yep, uh, you'd be like, <laughs> dude, like you need to take a half a step back and have a tic-tac. Yeah. Um, so uh, people that sometimes, uh, are trying to work on their people skills. Um, I just don't get distracted by that. I right. I don't have to answer everybody's question. I don't know if you and the listeners as pastors or lay people do, but I mean, Jesus asked 300 questions uh, in the three years of ministry. He only answered three. Is that crazy?
1: In three <laughs> yeah, I'd years. I never thought of that. Wow. Yeah,
0: a lawyer like me and you said, what's the big commandment? <laughs> he said, love God with your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor. The second one was, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, I will, our father. And the third one was Pilate. He said, so I hear you're the king of the Jews. And he said, yes, I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if somebody asked me a question, I don't want to answer it. Just answer a different question. Wow. So why don't you just say, you don't have to swing at every pitch. If everybody Mm. says, what's your position on whatever, I'm like, I don't know, humble.
1: (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) You mentioned San Quentin, and this has been something you've been doing for years. So on the one hand, do you still teach at Pepperdine? Yeah, Um, I do. They still love me. Can you
0: imagine that? 15 years. Crazy.
1: Can you (laughs) imagine me teaching at a top uh, flight law school? (laughs) I was That's talking crazy. to someone today or yesterday and they said uh, they have a friend who graduated from Pepperdine and you're like the favorite prof. Everybody wants to get into Bob's class. So you go from law school to San Quentin to, to minister with prisoners and learn from them. Why is that a really uh, like solid, regular commitment in your life? I'm telling you, I'm not, over. I'm
0: not backing into this thing, Carrie. I'm like perceived as this a really happy go lucky like whatever uh, most yeah. Enneagram sevens are. Uh, but underneath that veneer of yippee Skippy is about a mile of strategy. Uh, And Jesus said, it was Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was creepy and you invited me in. I was sick and you covered me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail and you came. So, like, that's it. Like, you want to meet Jesus? You got to meet them. Um, And if you're not meeting them, you ain't meeting Jesus. You're, You're learning about Jesus. But he said, You want to find me? Find them. So that's been the strategy. And when you said, I was like wordsmithing in my mind to minister, I'm the guy that's, I'm not just being gracious. Like, literally, I walk away from there saying like, there's a guy named Reggie um, that- It's amazing. He wrote a, he hand wrote a letter to sweet Maria Goff and invited her to San Quentin. I can't get her to go to Taco Bell with me because he, he, Reggie has been in San Quentin for 22 years. He's not up for parole for another 30. So this was more than a parking ticket. He started growing his dreads when he got put in prison. They are to his ankles. Like Reggie oh is just this amazing guy. And the fact that he sat down and hand wrote a letter to my wife, who doesn't go to a lot of places, uh, she said, I'll go. <laughs> like I'm telling you, I did, that's what happens when you care. I'm trying not to cuss here. When you give a Genuine interest in people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep, when you hear just where you're going. care, like, I want to be uh, that guy. And so, seeing what they've done, uh, and then they are able to access. There's another guy there named Chris. His problem is that he doesn't like uh, prison food. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> He's got a bigger problem. He's in there for life. So, <laughs> You're either going to drop some pounds or deal with the problem. And he's figured out a way to hotwire his little cup that like warms your coffee. Uh, so mm-hmm. he cooks in his Uh, cell, what a bad idea. This is bringing to mind every like fiery thing where the door is shut and they can't get out. Well, I asked Chris, uh, what's the coolest thing you've ever made? He said, I made a cheesecake in my cell. I'm like, are you kidding me? How do you make a cheesecake? And he wrote it out longhand for me. It's just right across the room. What you do is you have to get, there's a guy named Big Eddie that works in the mess hall. Got to get five uh, sticky buns for Big Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) Then you tear them up, and then you need a cup of butter. So what he does is he tells all of his buddies, they take that little square of butter. uh, They all go to his cell afterwards and drop off. It's nasty, but he's got his butter. Then he needs uh, cream cheese. Uh, and there's uh, there's uh, the folks there that gets uh, bagels and cream cheese. And for $1, uh, he can buy from these guys five of those little cream cheese shooters. And 18 of those is two cups of cream cheese. Once you're all done, there's no like utensils because you'll shank somebody. So once you're done, you like mix it all together. He cooks it on his little hot plate. Prison cheesecake. Cheesecake. His ingenuity was so inspiring to me. And I think of what are all of the things that I have available to me. And I'm just like, could I use those to make something beautiful, to figure out what it is that, uh, like, is really bubbling up inside me? If that guy can make a cheesecake in a 130-year-old prison cell with one outlet that's 6 feet wide, 10 feet long, and two guys that weigh 240 in it, a bathroom, a sink, and everything they own— I can find a way to, like, help somebody. Like, I can find a way forward, too. So every time I go, carry to uh, San Quentin, I just go and I take notes and notes and notes. You can't carry stuff in there, uh, so I bring a pen that let me do that, and I just write all over my palms. Uh, it's like having oh, wow. a palm pilot. I write all my <laughs> notes, and then I get out. I look like I'm tatted up because it's up my arms and all that, and on the flight home, I'll just... Write all the things I learned from Chris, the guy that doesn't like prison fruit, from Reggie, the guy with dreads down to his ankles. So, oh, it's been beautiful, and we're starting a scholarship program. Isn't that awesome? We're sending these guys to college. Um, no way. So they can't leave. So we're going to do the like version. <laughs> no, no, like uh, like a bedspreads like tied together over the wall, but uh, but to say. I don't know. I just want to take a genuine interest in people. Mm -hmm. And then I'm the big winner. I understand more about my faith. I understand more about my selfishness. I understand more about my hopes and desires. And I see their ingenuity and I think, gosh, like what might be possible for me?
1: Hmm. It does seem sometimes, because I had that written down to talk to you about today, like there are two Bobs and you went there first. So, there is the whimsical, storytelling, jovial, laughing Bob who's like, "Ah, oh, what caper are we going to get into next? And then I feel like a little less seen publicly is the deeply strategic, thoughtful Bob who, you know, one cases, is, is doing justice around the world, empowering people around the world, has a deep strategy. Can you talk a little bit more about that side of Bob that maybe not as many people would see?
0: Yeah. But for a lot of you, particularly that are up front like you and the people listening, um, I, I'm not, you know, a pastor, uh, yet the scriptures yeah. say we are, that we're priests, that we're doing that. And so that we need to be above reproach and we need to do these things. That do not apply to somebody else that like the rest on you. And so then trying to be good men and women and like Straight up, we adopt a persona. Like, And so people that don't know me from afar, they're like, oh, he's the happy guy. Um, and so, but then there's sometimes I really get sad and lonely and insecure and all those things. But if I need to be Bob the happy guy all the time, then I'm just a caricature of who I'm actually denying the evidence of Jesus in me. Like Paul talked about that, like people who like like act a certain way, but they deny the power Uh, of God in their lives. And so I just want to keep it super real, keep it authentic. And just so part of it is knowing where you're at. And so that's the more contemplative. I I wear a mood ring, like, right? Four bucks on Etsy. Yeah. So (laughs) I wear it right now. It's kind of turquoise. And if sweet Maria doesn't ask me where I am, she asks me how I am. And Uh so We'll talk about like, uh, why is it turquoise? And be like, oh, that's what it looks like when you talk to a great friend from Canada, a guy who, Mm -hmm. and I'm not blowing sunshine at you. I just respect you. I see the good, you could be running a small country, but instead what you're doing is uh, loving people in the church, encouraging leaders. I just go, that's what turquoise looks like. Um, So if we could just be in touch with, how we're feeling. And I'm not saying enveloped or wrapped around the axle with that, but to just be generally aware. And then just, just know the stories that you've told yourself. Like what are the mm. things that made up little Bobby Goff? Did you, would your first guess be that I'm super insecure? Mm, no. Yeah. I'm super insecure. Are
1: you really? Bobby? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Super insecure. Little Bobby Goff, when he was eight years old, didn't have, nor did any of us, The tools to deal with like what was happening around me, and so I got I made up a story to understand a world I wasn't uh, equipped to deal with, and my story was that everybody's going to leave me, everyone will leave, I will be all alone, and so little Bobby Goff, like that is what we do. But then what happens is you make rules around the story that you made up to understand your life. What's the rule you make? Well, I'm not going deep with anybody. Why? Mm. Well, because the story, everybody's going to leave me. Why go deep? Like, they're gone. And so now you're 30 and you don't know anybody. You then manifest, like, you start doing stuff. What I decided to be? Funny. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) If I was just, if I kept it funny, I wouldn't have to go deep. So can you see, when you start understanding, and not just for me, but, like, pastors, I'm talking to you. Lay people, I'm talking to you, Mm. pastors. Like, Mm. I want to say, like, what's the story? What's the rule you made up? It was great scaffolding at eight years old, but it started to imprison you. It walled you in by the time you got to your age right now. And if we can go back and ask, like go back to the scene of the crime, the little chalk outline of little Bobby Goff. And he was trying to understand this world. And they say, like, what did it feel like to be him for a second? I'm not saying, I'm no psychologist, but like, think about that. Little Bobby came up with this thing and then he made a rule. And is that rule... Uh, serving me any longer? And was the story true? And if we're actually new Mm. creations, can we say, maybe the story was true at one time, maybe not, but it ain't true now. Um, and to say this rule, like it may have helped me at one time to get past a, a snag in my life, but it, it doesn't need to continue to be a rule in my life. If you're picking a jury, what you do, you get a couple uh, times to kick people off the jury and you'd say, I'd like to thank and excuse juror number four, uh, just because they looked at you weird or whatever it is. What I want you to do is think about the story, think about the rule, and I want you to thank and excuse the rule. I want you to say mm. thank you, rule. Like you played this important role in guarding my heart, Proverbs four twenty three. You had like played a really important role at one time, but I don't need that rule anymore. Uh, story, mm. thank you. I want to thank you and excuse you. You just don't need to uh, be the story in my life, but you were really really helpful. Thank you. You caused me some problems too, but pushing ahead from those. I just need you to have a seat. Um, and you don't get the microphone anymore. That's what new creation people do.
1: Mm. When did you come to that realization? Like, how did that happen for you in your life? Cause I think that's such a good insight that these stories don't serve us anymore and that we don't have to be insecurity has been a, a journey for me as well, Bob. So yeah. how did that happen for you?
0: Yeah, I think it was, I couldn't tell you what day of the week it was, but it was definitely in college and it was um, when I realized I'm not my dad and my Mm. dad's terrific. Like great guy, but but I ain't him and he ain't me. He would suck at being me and I would similarly suck at being him. <laughs> so I just need yeah. to say, like, like I'm just gonna go be me with all of my little wonky piccadillos, all the after effects of a bunch of stories that am I made up to deal with my complicated life and failures and all of that. And to say, okay, so can I just like peel it back and just say what am I feeling? what is that connected to like to just say what is that if you pull on that thread what comes up if you went catfish fishing which wouldn't be my first instinct but like if if something bent over on the rod i'd reel it in and to say is it a is it a bass or a boot like right, a, right. A, and if it's a boot some people just throw the boot back in and say well i guess they are biting today i'd get the boot off the hook that's the the thing that i think this new creation mindset would do um, thinking about the idea of distraction it's just keep catching the same boot um, to say like no I actually need to use a little different like uh, uh, technique new bait uh, move up or down the river a little bit uh, but yeah. to change something um, so that you don't keep ending up at the same place you don't coming full circle you don't keep walking in circles that you've got a flag on a hill you've got a thing I'm not saying, a, a uh, like a slogan that you're moving towards, uh, but to have some real purpose, I just go like that will outlast me. I'm not going to go full cow on that. I'm going to go like, that's actually going to outlast me. I will be remembered for my love. I'll be known for my opinions. I don't want to be the guy with, I don't want people to meet my opinions. I want them to meet Jesus Christ. And the way to do that is for me to get a little bit more real. And it takes some courage that oftentimes I'm not able to access. But the odd time that I do, I'm really glad I did.
1: On the subject of insecurities, one of the things you wrote, and I think it's a quote, you say that cynics wear their insecurities on their sleeves. Can you explain that? Yeah,
0: cynics, they're just such an interesting posse of people. Uh, They can be distracting for Uh, many of us, Uh, but it's only the newer version of the cynics that's distracting. The old school cynics were actually awesome. You and I, I don't think you're a cynic, are you?
1: Uh, I tend to be an optimist. Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah. So yeah. Uh, like old school cynics, you and I would want to hang out with them. There's a guy that actually uh, like uh, began cynicism. His name was Diosthenes. And get yeah, this, you're carry. talking
1: about Greek cynics. Yeah. yeah,
0: he lived in a jar. He lived in a it was a <laughs> big jar, but he lived in this jar and he would walk through Athens every day at high noon with a lantern lit and he would people would ask like why do you have this lantern? He said I'm looking for virtue. And of like <sighs> cynics lived apart from everybody. They made their own clothes. They were looking for virtue. New school cynics, they're like, oh Southwest Airlines, oh mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> pick the flavor of the day that they're like rolling their eyes and saying something snarky. I want to go old school cynic. I want to look for virtue. Um, but the new school cynics, uh, their introductory greeting is, you know, about they're ju- they're just insecure. They're like me. Mm. They just I cover my insecurity by being funny. They cover their insecurity by being cynical. Um, and I think I want people to just that can be a big distraction for the people around you. I want to uh, greet people with this whole idea of what's possible, or the thing you learned today, or I just like uh, would. Come home, and it seems corny to say it this way, but each around the table, we say, What did you learn today? Uh, And to ask those questions of each other and like just be curious about stuff. Get a magnifying glass out. You don't need to burn ants, it's like actually really uncool. Um, (laughs) But to just say, I looked closely at something today. And this is what I saw. Give these to your kids. Give them magnifying glasses. Uh, Before dinner or before dessert, I want you to go look closely at one thing and come back and tell me what you saw. And just like that, like they'll remember that. That will outlast you, cow. Mm. Like it will... (laughs) I'm not calling you a cow. I'm just using this metaphor. But like, it's like, that can be, my dad was so nuts. He used to... My mom was so I the thing I remember the most, it's always those really endearing things. So I want mm. you to do this test, pastors and friends. I want you to take away what you're known for, and whatever's left is who you are. So take away Carrie, the mm. leadership guy, and the pastor and the lawyer, and all what take away the stuff that you're known for, and whatever's mm. left is who you are. Take away Bob the lawyer. Uh, then maybe a Bob the author. Take away Bob the author. What do you got left? And I, I
1: just like, it's such a good vetting to say. It is a well, great vetting. Yeah. 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 Um, You tell an amazing story about all access passes and uh, being given tickets to this concert. And uh, I don't want to blow the story. You'll tell it well. But it really got me thinking about self-limiting beliefs that we can do more we can accomplish more. And not not even in like, oh, look at me, look at my resume. I'm talking about like what you're saying, you know, after Afghanistan gets taken over by the Taliban and the U.S. leaves. It's like, well, let's just go and ask the Taliban whether these women can study. And he says, sure. Like most of us would have just checked out and said, well, this is impossible time to go pack up, go home and, uh, and so on. And so can you talk about the idea of all access passes and Needing to get rid of the self limitations.
0: Yeah, sometimes you think you need permission to do something you already have permission to do. Um, So, this idea that, like, would it be okay if? And we have all these people where Jesus already, I want to do this Jedi thing and just tell people you've got permission. You don't have permission to knock off a liquor store, but you have permission to do beautiful, unreasonable things in the world. You have permission to be misunderstood. I mean, they killed Jesus. What's a bad day for you? Um, Just say like, you have permission to. uh, I'm not trying to build consensus. I want to build a kingdom. It's uh, uh, there's a bunch of women that are asking dudes for permission. uh, If you got something to say, say it. Do it with kindness and gentleness and men as well. But be like, stop asking for permission to speak. You got something to say, let's get it out there. Otherwise we're like muting the best 50% of what's going on. Um, and so I want to like free up this idea of saying that like a word, we've got this Oliver Twist kind of thing to say, can I just have one more scoop full of gruel? And to say like, this is a God of the heavens that says, I am just giving you like the, your beautiful 4,000 weeks of life, give or take. And, and then, uh, and I want you to do beautiful things. I've given you some great things. Hungry, thirsty, sick, strange, naked, jail, James, widows, and orphans. Like you pick, but stop saying I'm looking for a plan. <laughs> I, want, yeah. I want to find God's plan for my life. I've just told you the plan for your life. <laughs> there it is. Uh, John six twenty nine. 29, the disciples are saying like, so what's our work? Fair question. And he says, your work is to believe in the one God sent. And like, I just want us to just say, our work is that eyes fixed on Jesus, get that flag on the hill, continue to move in that direction. And then as God brings these opportunities, our neighbors hurting people around us, if you've got an opportunity and it crosses with an ambition of yours, but like, that's the corner you want to be standing on. And then don't just stand there, do something. (laughs) Mm. <laughs> like, do, uh, not because you need to help baby Jesus out. Read Revelations; he's out of the crib. Like, do it because this is how you activate your faith. This is how you mm. own your faith, right? It's not just learning about. That's what stalkers do; they learn about people what that they don't know. What I want to do is actually do something with somebody and get to know them, uh, and mm. then what you end up with is a friend. And like, that'll actually outlast you. Go do that. You'll have your tight core. How many people are in your tight core, Kerry? Like, it's oh, just yeah. like,
1: the, you know, how many people are like, you have many acquaintances, tens many of thousands. Acquaintances, but there's probably five to 10 in my tight core. Yeah, like yeah. Really, so just for, who know everything. Yeah,
0: Yeah. why not like send? If you're listening, send a text. Don't agree with me. Let's take agreeing with Carrie. I agree with a lot of things he has to say, but just take agreeing off the list. And then what's mm-hmm. yours left is either do it or don't do it. Send somebody a text message to say, you know, I was thinking I was talking to a friend or listening to somebody talk. And there's uh, about five people, maybe seven that are my world Uh, And you're one of them. And I just want to thank you. I'm telling you, you want to talk about make somebody's day? That ain't blowing sunshine. That's speaking the truth. And if we could do that, like people will find their faith again. They'll find their hope again. You lose your keys. You say, where was the last place I saw those things? And if you've lost your hope, if you're listening to the podcast and you feel like, ah, I'm just like caricature of who I've become to say, when did you feel authentic? And when, let's go back there. When did you feel truly loved? When did you feel understood? Let's go back there. And then just say, what was the story that happened? Well, let's see, here's the crime scene. And we don't need to camp there. A setback isn't a campsite. It was a setback. And so to say, okay, it happened. And where do we go from here? You know, and I just think that's where beautiful. If you need a counselor, get one. I thought yeah. counseling was a bad idea until I like got some counseling right <laughs> same same <laughs> i yeah. thought that trigger was the name of the lone ranger's horse
1: <laughs> 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 <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> more to it <laughs> oh. oh bob it's never uh dull it's always stimulating and you always make me think like wow there is so much more which is wonderful If there was anything else you want to share with leaders, what would it be? Anything else come to mind that you just want to encourage people with or challenge people with or uh, as we wrap up?
0: Yeah, you know what? Uh, You can be right and you can be kind. Um, There's something about that. Sometimes we uh, hear somebody, their theology is off or you disagree with something. And maybe if your instinct is like, this is Gettysburg. I'm just saying as a friend, Buddy, pull on that because that's tied to something pretty weird. Um, like you, I'm <laughs> just saying. Like, just see what's that connected to. Why do I think? Because Jesus doesn't need your help. Um, the gospel uh, is just fine, and Jesus is the gospel. And so, what I want to do is to say, what's that connected to? And so, I want to uh, that idea of kindness and respect in these really difficult times. Uh, If you could see what's in my thought bubble, there's all kinds of things going on. I leave them in my thought bubble. (laughs) And so when somebody says something lame, I just be like, kind of just say, I just got out of the thought bubble. I know... Mm if they have any friends, they will wish that they did less of that. But just just be kind. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to teach him. This is Gettysburg. I don't want to go to that. Uh, and you and I win arguments for a living. That's what we get paid to do. Mm-hmm. But I just want to like replace one thing, Pavlov's dog, this conditioned response that I got to stick up, for something, uh, to say, know what you believe, know why you believe, and then do something about it. But getting in somebody's grill about it uh, is the lowest form of doing something about it. Holding somebody's hand, uh, uh, sitting through them as they're on this journey, uh, understanding that God might be doing something different in their life than he happens to be doing in your life right now, let him get there. Quit putting it in the microwave. God's got it in the crock pot. It's going to take a while.
1: Oh. Great words. So the book is called Undistracted. It's available everywhere books can be sold. And you're pretty active where online these days. You show up on Instagram a lot. Yeah, I pop in and out of there. there. I'll think of something to say, and that might uh,
0: be, uh, you know, a collective kind of like Stone Soup. You just throw in what you've got. Um, so I'll throw a couple carrots in there every once in a while. Um, yeah, so just pop off. Um, As is my email, a very cryptic email, Bob Goff, at Bob Goff.
1: See what I did there? I see what you did. (laughs) Oh, Bob, it's been a delight as always. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, great talking to you, buddy. Well, it's never dull with Bob, is it? And if you want more insights, you want links to his brand new book uh, or a whole lot more, you can get it by heading over to com slash episode 480. Can you believe we're 20 episodes away from episode 500? On that note, if you've never left a rating or review, would you do that wherever you listen to the podcast? And if you enjoyed this episode, as I'm sure many of you did, please share it on social. We try to pick up on as many of those shares as we possibly can. Also, I'm Carrie Newhoff on Instagram, C Newhoff on Facebook and Twitter, and would love to connect with you there as well. Today's episode was brought to you by the Art of Leadership Academy. If you haven't yet checked it out, check it out. It's a brand new endeavor for me and my team you can go to theartofleadershipacademy.com, get access to a growing library of premium on-demand courses, all of my courses starting this month at one low price. You get monthly live coaching hosted by me, monthly staff training for your staff and your team, and a community of top-tier leaders. Uh, You might be saying, okay, well, who's inside? Well, we have Derwin Gray, Katie Cole, Frank Beeler. Uh, well, that's just to name a few. There's about 40 top-tier leaders who are leading the dialogue inside the Art of Leadership Academy. Make sure you check it out. And if you're looking for a new website and a great social media presence in 2022, check out Creativo. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast can get a lifetime founder's discount by simply going to creativo.org slash carry. That's C-R-E-A-T-I-V-O dot o-r-g slash c-a-r-e-y next episode ian morgan cron returns and we talk about how to lead in a season where there have been no wins here's an excerpt powerlessness is a superpower ironically it's a great paradox that for me life comes together when i embrace the fact that i have no control over it and then what happens i I, I'm no longer at the center of my life. I actually become eccentric, out, placed outside the center, and then something's <laughs> got to replace the center, or life won't work. And that's where God comes in. And so, you know, for me, just reminding myself with kindness every day, I have no power over a pandemic. I, I have no power over these metrics. I have, and then suddenly. I begin to feel this very powerful peace at the center of my person. I always look forward to my conversations with Ian. Also coming up, Joshua Becker, Levi Lusco, Anne Voskamp, Dave Ramsey, Shauna Uh, Who else have we got? We've got Andy Stanley coming back to the podcast. Fascinating conversation. Chris Bale and Oliver Berkman, if you've read 4,000 Weeks. Uh, we're gonna go there. I'm so excited for it. If you subscribe, you never miss an episode. And the best way, by the way, to stay in the loop on everything over at the Art of Leadership Academy is to head on over to theartofleadershipacademy.com. you want to get in in March. We've got, well, really introductory launch pricing. You can get in on that right now. And while you're at it, sign up for my email list. You can go to kerrynewhoff.com email. We send out a almost daily email to more than 85,000 leaders, just a little nugget of leadership wisdom, hopefully, that will help you thrive in life and leadership go to kerryneuhoff.com email and uh, sign up there. Hey, thank you so much, everybody. So appreciate you. We will catch you next time on the podcast. And I hope our time together today has helped you thrive in life and leadership. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff
0: Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.